If you need a new roof or a repair, Easton Roofing will take care of you. Estimates are always free and suggestions are built on integrity. Visit EastonRoofing.com for more information. Get back to business faster with Easton Roofing. Easton Roofing. Integrity matters. Hey, hey, welcome in to the KC Legend Show right here. Sports Radio 810 WHB. Again, I am Sterling Holmes here live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. We'll be here until 7 p.m. Every Monday from 6 to 7, we'll be here live with special guests, former Chiefs players, getting their inside perspectives on their career, the past Chiefs game, and a look ahead to the upcoming one. Tonight's special guest is former Chiefs defensive lineman and special teams captain John Lohmeyer. John will be joining us in just a few minutes. But while I'm here, we are here live at Hollywood Casino, and I realize why I'm not a guy who bets. I'm not good at parlays. I, I, I'm out here being the buffoon, putting a four-leg parlay out, getting three right, and then missing the Jose Altuve. I don't like Jose Altuve. What am I doing here? I should know better than this. Um, but I'm very excited to be joined here by John. We're going to have a, a really good time. Uh, he's also a Chiefs ambassador. But going back to the Chiefs' win against the Broncos, I know we're sitting here all upset. The Chiefs' offense has yet to click outside of one game against the horrendous Chicago Bears. Chiefs put up 19 points against a historically bad defense in the Denver Broncos. But guess what? A win's a win. An ugly win is better than an ugly loss. You look around the NFL on Sunday, and there were some brutal I mean, brutal losses all around. You saw the San Francisco 49ers losing to the Cleveland Browns. And let's be real now. I want to hear no excuses for the 49ers and their injuries because Cleveland was without their starting quarterback. Not only that, you look around the NFL some more. The Jets took the Philadelphia Eagles up to the wire. Oh, yeah. Not to the, just the wire, to the finish line. The Jets beating the Eagles 20-14. to And then Buffalo getting away, squeaking away with a win against the Giants. What what really stands out to me, you stack wins. You don't apologize for wins in October. There's no style points for winning ugly. There's no style points for winning beautifully. It does not matter. You stack wins until Thanksgiving until you figure out what team you have. Then you go from there. Am I concerned about the Chiefs' offense? To an extent, sure. But if you don't take a positive approach here, if you don't take a positive glass-half-full approach here, the Chiefs are 5-1, and one, tied for the best record in the NFL. They have the best record in the AFC, 5-1 and one with their only loss coming week one to an NFC opponent losing by one point. Oh, by the way, that team is 5-1 and one as well in the Detroit Lions. The Chiefs' offense, as I mentioned, has yet to click. The defense, though, looks legitimately good. They look impressive. They look, quite frankly, elite. Now, that should scare the rest of the NFL. We're going to take a quick break, come back right here at Sports Radio 810 WHB, and be joined by special teams captain, former Chiefs Chiefs alignment, John Lohmeyer. Right here, Hollywood Casino, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome back to the KC Legend Show right here, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Again, Sterling Holmes here live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. We'll be here until 7 p.m. every single Monday, 6 to 7, live with special guests, former Chiefs players, getting their inside perspectives on their career, past Chiefs game, and a look ahead to the upcoming one. Again, tonight, special guest, former Chiefs Demons alignment, special teams captain, 
president of the Chiefs Ambassadors, John Lohmeyer. John, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great, Charlie. Thanks for uh, inviting me on the show. I'm looking forward to yeah. chatting with you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. It's really nice for you to, uh, to, to come and be here. I, I have to start with this first. You scored one touchdown in your NFL career. Defensive lineman, you don't get a chance to score very often. Please tell me you had a great celebration. We had a great celebration. <laughs> um, it was against uh, Dan Pastorini and the Houston Oilers yeah. in Arrowhead, and uh, uh, I was rushing the quarterback. Wilbur Young was rushing, and he turned, and Wilbur knocked the ball out of his hands, and it was just laying on the ground. Yeah. So it was like a gift, <laughs> a gift from the football gods. Yeah. So I picked it up, ran it in. Uh, Wilbur came. Wilbur was 300 and about 45 pounds. Sure. Wilbur came in, knocked me down, and jumped on top of me. <laughs> Which was the hardest hit I've ever experienced. Uh, the wonderful thing about it is I, got, I grabbed the football. He said, make sure you hold on to the football. And I ran off the field. And there's a picture of Hank Stram running out on the field. And we're shake, Hank's shaking my hand. I'm holding the ball. And then the scoreboard shown behind in the picture, it says Lohmeyer touchdown. That's awesome. So I, I still have that ball. It was sent off, and someone painted the panel on it, said first touchdown. And so great, great memory and uh, totally unexpected, probably <laughs> undeserved. But, I, you know, you take it when you when a gift's there. You take yeah. it and go with it, yeah. Well, after that tackle, you probably go, one's enough. One's yeah. enough. I don't want any more. One's good. Yeah, Wilbur <laughs> jumped on top of me for sure, I, yeah. I will say, what's with all you defensive and offensive linemen losing so much weight after point this is crazy to me mm, good point uh i know um grunny's working on it i've yeah. just worked on it i dropped dropped about 45 pounds wow. uh it was really just kind of changing diet going to uh, uh intermittent fasting and keto diet and stripped all the carbs out all the sugar out sure and uh, cutting back on Mr. Alcohol, yeah. <laughs> and, which all of those things aren't fun, but it really has been good for me. Yeah. I, I feel really healthy, and I'm, you know, I'm in my early seventies. No chance. So I am. So you know, you got to stop and take care of yourself. Yeah. Early. That's impressive. Early seventies. I cannot believe that. I, I will also say, I, I'm not asking necessarily for for a diet advice here, but I do find it very no. I, I find it impressive because I, one of my cousins he tried to play defensive end at a D1 school. In it was hard for him to keep on weight. To be 6'5", 280, that was difficult to eat that much. I wanted the same thing in the NFL. A lot of these guys, you know, they're skinny, and you always say, well, they'll beef up. For example, they drafted B.J. Thompson, right? Very athletic, but he's on the skinnier side. The thought process is, okay, this guy, it's easy. He'll, He'll beef up. He can put some weight on. How hard is it to actually put weight on for some of these guys who have this high metabolism, you're outside all the time, you're working so hard? I think it's more difficult than people actually think. It it is, and you just defined what I had to do was virtually eat five to six big meals a day. Before I went to bed at night, I had a big monster protein shake. And back in the days, in the 70s, Hank had a rule that he find we weigh in Every Monday, and he ch- he finds you a dollar for every pound you were over or under, which was <laughs> added incentive to be on the money, right? He's making some money. <laughs> He's making some money. So anyway, um, to get up to weight, I can say this now because time's gone by. I would put two and a half pound weights in my jock strap, <laughs> put on sweatpants in order to get five extra pounds sure. to to make my bogey. Oh man! Yep, I would do that. Did so, a lot of people do that? You don't yeah. have to say. You don't have to name names, but was that a pretty common? Well, when back you then? like you said, if you have a hyperactive um, metabolism, have trouble keeping weight on, uh, lean muscle, and all that, yeah, it's really hard. And and uh, it 
I was a light player anyway, and we were playing against um, large offensive tackles that were almost 300 pounds yeah. back then. So I was ultimately kind of a, a small defensive end to rush in. Sure. Yeah. John Lomar is our guest right here, Sports Radio 810 WHB. What has been some of the changes? You mentioned the size changes, obviously. You know, a lot of the offensive linemen, to an extent, have gotten larger. You see Chris Jones, that is a big human being, but he's even come close to some of the large dudes on the defensive line. One, I guess, where's the balance of size and speed? And two, what have you seen change-wise, especially in the trenches since you were there? Well, trench warfare is really where that game is ultimately won and lost, and a lot of fans aren't able to really know what's going on there, so their eye naturally follows the ball. That's sure. And mine does, too. But it's a game of, of using your feet, your hips, and your hand. And if Grunny were on the, the show, he would tell you that he's going to hold long enough to get his hips around and get in the position, then he'll, it's catch and release, sure. like, kind of like fishing, you know. You catch, get yourself moved around, and you release. But uh, Chris Jones is an excellent example of a, a guy who's got tremendous feet. He's uh, almost like a sumo wrestler. He's pushing with his hands until he gets to the ex- exact moment, and then he gets his hips around and he moves around. I was privileged to locker next to Buck Buchanan, mm. who many people will remember. Buck was all pro, yeah. fabulous ball player. And I tell you this, if Buck were alive today, he would love Chris Jones because they – they play. They played the same kind of ball game. Great feet and great hands. Yeah. Outside of Chris Jones, who was one of your favorite Chiefs players to watch? You, you know, in the past, let's say ten years. You know, you have Tom Bahali, Justin Hughes. There's been a lot of incredible edge rushers on this it just Chiefs history. Yeah. Do you have a favorite that you really like well, to watch? Well, I love Tom Bahali because I know him now, and that's one of the neat things we're going to talk about the ambassadors. Yeah. But he's a young ambassador. He looks like if he would walk through the door you would think, oh, he plays today. Yeah. So I loved his enthusiasm. Um, uh, Bobby Bell was a phenomenal athlete, probably the best athlete I've ever been around. He could throw the ball further than any quarterback could. He could, um, when they told him to take a drop to five yards, he would take a drop to eight yards. And so the opposing quarterback would say, ooh, he's too deep, he can't cover a quick pass. But he was baiting everybody. He always looked like he was out of position until you until he wasn't until he wasn't, and he was so fast to come up. He could outrun everybody. And I usually share with people that, you know, they had us do a ten yard dash, and I'm sure they don't do it anymore. But have all of us line up and do a ten yard dash, and a man that's 340 pounds would only be about a foot behind the fastest player that's about 170 or 80 pounds sure so in other words they could move their mass at the same speed as long as it was straight and that's why uh, speed um, neutralizes a lot of players these days because it's really your ability to process information and move from place to place uh, in order to get away from the player so that's that's really fascinating because I wasn't going to talk about this, but I, I always think this is really interesting. You see the 40-yard dash times, right? And everyone gets so enamored by it. And I'm always pointing out, how often do you have a 40-yard dash in, a, in an actual game, straight line? And by the way, you're not wearing pads. Right. You, you never have that. I, I had a chance to talk with Amon Ross St. Brown the other day, the Detroit Lions wide receiver. And I said, you ran a 4-5-9, but you're always open. And he goes, yeah, a lot of those combine numbers they're fun for the fans. It's yeah. fun for the media. I get you guys have a job to do, but in reality, it doesn't tell the full picture. Do you ever feel the same way that sometimes people get so caught up in 
how fast a guy is. And I know it worked for Kansas City when they had Tyreek Hill and McCole Hardman and the Legion of Zoom, but I think sometimes we can get so focused on the measurables that sometimes right. you don't look at some of the um, the things you can't measure, right? The, the ability to get open, the quickness, the yeah. shiftiness. Well, the metrics are, as you said, the metrics are for projecting people's ability to move and things like that. But within the box from tight end to um, linebackers and the receivers, you know, in that little box, everybody's moving about the same speed. Yeah. So when they run it, run a ball right up in the middle uh, behind Grunny and uh, he's trying to get a push on him, uh, they're just it's just a massive <laughs> co- collisions and uh, bodies going everywhere and that's the fun part. I love to watch uh, that part of the yeah. game. That's what I look for. Yeah. John Lomire is our guest right here, Sports Radio eight ten WHB live here at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway for the KC Legend Show. Getting into the Chiefs Ambassadors, you are the president there. What all do you do? Because the Chiefs Ambassadors is a large, overarching, I don't want to say a corporation, but it's a conglomeration of former Chiefs players. What all do you guys do? Well, we, we are our own 501c3 that is supported by uh, the Chiefs and ultimately the Hunt Family Foundation. And to give it uh, perspective for the listeners, there's about 700 former players of the Chiefs, of which 60 of us, are ambassadors. There's 10 ambassadors that are out of the Kansas City market. So Christian Okoya resides in California. Priest Holmes is in San Antonio. Dante Hall's um, in the in the uh, I think in New New Jersey. So uh, they come in when when we can get them here and when we need them. But the 50 that are here, we're actively involved in uh, helping other 501c3. So. If you um, had an organization that helped kids, and we try to focus on inner-city kids, both in terms of health, education, uh, you would come to us and tell us what your needs are. And if we deem it worthy, we might grant you money for one year or two years. And so we try to be someone that's uh, supportive. Now, you know, writing a check is one thing. If you're a 501c3 and, and people don't know about you, then we have the ability to come out and be a co-branding sure. agent for you. So, and that might m- means that we bring a, a 810 Sports Radio yeah. with us <laughs> or a television station. So, all of a sudden, the general public might have a greater understanding of the great things that your 501c3 might be doing. Yeah, you guys do a great job. It's really cool. I've done a lot of charity auctions, been involved with you guys. Um, first off, your guys' golf tournament's always a really good time as well. Um, I know you're, you're a big golfer here. We, right. We've talked about it a little bit before, and you're, you're a big golfer over here. All, all these former Chiefs players, they go from football, and they're like, let's, let's do a non-contact sport. Let's get into golf. Right. Well, my golf can be contact. As I told you, I can hit a long ways, but I, I usually like to play one fairway over. So I've been known to play two fairways over. So you don't want to watch it, the ball coming at you. But we, we have fabulous guys. I'm maybe the exception of a, an athlete that couldn't transition to another sport. I don't know, but we, we love it. And we have a, you know, we have a golf tournament in the fall, a gala in the spring. We love to find more supporters. Uh, we're really, really involved heavily with big brothers and big sisters, which we think is a wonderful way for a you know young single person to help uh, uh, elementary age or middle school kid right at the time that they're in their life they, they need somebody that they can look up to and get advice from so we love big brothers and big sisters camp quality is for kids with cancer 
uh, and it, it goes on and on from there. Yeah. How did you choose to become president of the Chiefs ambassador? Did you get, did you get voted on? Everyone's like, yeah, we, we want John. We want John. Are you, you're like, all right, fine. No one else wants to. No one else wants to plan. No, he, <laughs> that's a great. Um, it's one of those things. I, I joke. I say, well, it shows you never miss a meeting, or you'll be the president. But I, I actually was uh, retiring out in Kansas, and Walter White, who many people might remember, Walter called, and we'd stayed in touch for forty plus years, and he said, John, come back to Kansas City, and help us with philanthropy and the uh, ambassador group. So I did, and I was fortunate enough. Our guys voted me in as president. We were having, we have fabulous former presidents from. Uh, Sean Barber, Tim Grunhart, uh, um, Dana Hughes, Bill Moss, many of the leaders that you see out in the community working, uh, promoting uh, philanthropy. Um, you know, it's, it's what I think people like about the ambassadors is, one, we're the only one like it in the NFL. So other teams have come into Kansas City, met with the Chiefs, met with the ambassadors, met with all the people that we help have gone back and have never been able to replicate it. And I, I think the reason, it, one, it's a lot of hard work. Sure. But we also have an exceptional family in the Hunt family. And their uh, philanthropy approach is that as we finish our football careers, they're helping us transition into being really good citizens of Chiefs Kingdom and being leaders in the field of philanthropy. And I, I can tell you I was on several plane flights with Lamar Hunt when he and I were talking about philanthropy and how important it is. So um, it really stems, I think, from Lamar. Clark has it as well, and it's a privilege to be part of it. Yeah, it does feel like Kansas City is a little different in this regard, right? They do feel more like, I think a family sometimes is, is overused in the business world, the sports world, but it does feel like there's something there. There's something different, something special, because you mentioned it. You don't see this with other teams. I, I've noticed this myself. You see a lot of players that played for Kansas City, whether it's for uh, a long time, their whole career, whether it's only a, a couple years. They seemingly always talk glowingly about their time in Kansas City, mm-hmm. about being with the Hunt family. And a lot of times they actually come back and settle down back in Kansas City. Why do you think that is? Well, that's actually, you pinpointed one of the reasons of forming the ambassador was if you come to Kansas City as a young rookie player, you have two points of contact out in the world. You have your hometown and you have your college. Mm-hmm. And so if you choose to go away from Kansas City, those are the two areas that you generally will migrate to. Well, when when we looked at this environment, the people that are here today, take take Tim Grunhart. We're using him as an yeah. example. You know, he grew up in Chicago. He could have gone back to Chicago. He probably could have gone to South Bend, Indiana and lived there. But because Kansas City is so welcoming and has that Midwest environment where people take care of each other and we're um, easy on each other, uh, they stay here. So what we want to be able to do, um, ideally, is the young players that are currently with the Chiefs, If they, let's say somebody had a finance degree and they wanted to stay in Kansas City and we knew about that, we might have a lunch and we might take them to meet the president of a corporation or a chief financial officer to see if they can transition. It is different in the sense that when I played, you did have to have a job <laughs> other than your football job. Sure. And now they don't. But, you know, to be um, a citizen, a productive person, having children, it's good that you have another passion when you leave football, and that's what we think the ambassadors do. John Lomire is our guest right here at Sports Radio 810 WHB.
You were number 87. Another good 87 here in Kansas City with Travis Kelsey. Did uh, he call you to make sure he could rock that number? You, uh... <laughs> he did not. <laughs> he did not. And, you know, uh, quick history. It used to be on the defensive side. So Aaron Brown wore it on defense before I did. And I tell people that they're going to retire my jersey. Yeah. It really, which is really the number. <laughs> but I can assure you when I pass it on, uh, other players had it on offense uh, uh, before. It went from me to Travis really <laughs> grass-stain-free. <laughs> he, he has rocked it, and he is so much fun to watch. And we're just living in a wonderful time where he's doing what he's doing. I know the Swifties are now on board, <laughs> Chiefs Kingdom and, and, and worldwide, so uh, we're in a good spot. Yeah, how crazy is this? Because I always find this fascinating. Kansas City, when I was growing up in 29 here, was never this... Um, I know what the nickname is Paris of the Plains, and it's, I always think it's been very underrated. But it's never been Chicago, New York, L.A., Miami. It's never been one of these big cities, obviously. But the NFL is different, and you don't have to be in a big city to be a big, um, have a big identity. Because right. Travis Kelsey's showing this right now. How often in, in NBA, Giannis Antetokounmpo is very big, but wouldn't he be bigger if he was in L.A. or New York? Probably. But the NFL is different. You can become a, the face of the NFL in, in Kansas City. How cool is it to see this transpire in the heartland? Yeah, it speaks to the power of media and um, being um, uh, a person of character and distinction that that you can actually do that. And, you know, let's not forget the Midwest and uh, the people that are following the Chiefs, we like, we take care of each other. We like these this crazy four-season thing that's going on. <laughs> and... Uh, our team is probably the most wonderful ambassadors for the for the world right now. You know, yeah. they're really working hard. I'm so excited about their trip to Germany, and I think when that happens, that will open up more doors. And and just the idea that uh, Travis and Taylor Swift are um, having a, a a, a thing. Yeah. Uh, everybody, wherever I go and talk, that's, you know, they want me to talk about sure. the Swifties. And I said, I don't know anything about the I don't Swifties. Either. I've got a granddaughter who's 17 years old. That's the closest I can get. But it's really cool. And I think they're both handling it really in a, in a neat way. Professionally, yeah, honestly. It's, it's very impressive. Yeah. Are you going to Germany? Are you heading to I'm not going to Germany, but we have some ambassadors there. Christian Akoya and uh, uh, Dante Hall are going to be there. Uh, some other ambassadors may be going, but I'm not. I'm going to stay home and get up early in the morning, have a breakfast like everybody yeah. else, and cheer our Chiefs on for sure. Were you a little bit, I don't know if bum's the, the right word, don't get to see Tyreek Hill come back to Arrowhead because this is a home game for Kansas City. We knew the Chiefs were giving up a home game. Yeah. I had no qualms with it. And when I went down and broke down the schedule, there were only three possible solutions. One was Detroit, right? The other one was Chicago. And then it was going to be uh, Miami. Those are the only three logical explanations or logical conclusions for having a game in Germany. Well, Detroit was going to be opening night. And then the Hunts basically chose they wanted to have uh, Chicago here in Kansas City. So mm-hmm. that left Miami in Germany. Is, is part of you a little bummed you don't get to see Tyreek Hill come back to Kansas City? You know, I am, but I'm also uh, bummed on one side and fascinated on the other because we're seeing our team... Um, with the Chris Jones was a great example of a young guy who really uh, is coming into his own. I mean, he's at the top of his game. He missed training camp. We were all grinding our teeth over it. We were worried what would the impact. And, of course, he came in and played. And I think we're fine. The Chiefs are finding ways to bring players in 
those that have experience that are willing to play for a little uh, less money mm-hmm. but also have a chance to be on a championship team. And ultimately, when you play at this level long enough, that ring is worth everything. Yeah. That that ring is what it's all about. And I think, so I, what I'm saying is that we're going to, from time to time, lose a special player like Tyreek, but we're also going to gain some other people along the way that'll, that will come in and enhance our team. Where do you find the line on guys trying to get top dollar and guys staying quote-unquote loyal trying to win a ring because there is a fine line and i obviously understand the thought process of one these guys are getting so much money how much difference is a couple million per year and i say have you ever looked at a couple million dollar home yeah that's what they're losing out every single year and the other part of it is you're sitting here going yeah but it's not their job to be loyal to the team because sometimes as you've seen in the past teams not just the chiefs but teams in general mm. you get hurt you can't perform that contract's done that money's gone now what happens where do you find yourself on this top dollar versus trying to take a team friendly deal here i think that the players um, are starting to look at their careers differently and and i'm going to use chris jones as an example um, getting your bag which means getting your big payday and all that while important Look at the theater that he gets to perform in. He has, we have talent acquisition, constant flow of young players, fabulous coaching staff, and they are preparing their athletes every week at the highest level. We're not getting out coached. No. We're not getting out coached, right? And there's, there's a revenue sharing, so everybody has the same amount to start with. And I think what I alluded to earlier is I think that desire to be part of a championship, a repeat championship. We have young, we have a young team. I think yeah. we're the third or fourth youngest team. It's incredible. And some of our young players have one and two Super Bowls. So think about that. You know, um, Bobby Bell and Willie Lanier, they really only have one Super Bowl. We have younger players than they were at that time that have two now. Yeah. So we're going to go through some angst later on because it's going to be a point where we're not going to be able to keep all of them so what does that do to them i think it helps them stay true to their cause i think it helps them stay focused on their job and i also think that our two best players travis and patrick are our two hardest workers yeah <laughs> and i have a feeling that when they the other players pull in the parking lot and they see their cars there and when they go home at night, their cars are still there. They, that's the formula. Yeah. You know, and if you don't want to work at that pace and you can't handle the integrity of all that extra stuff, you, you end up migrating away. Yeah. John Lohmeyer is our guest right here. Sports Radio 810 WHB live here at Hollywood Casino at Kansas at Speedway. Again, we will be here until 7 p.m. For you, you went and grew up in uh, Emporia, right? You went to Emporia High School. Then you played at Emporia State, then Kansas City. What's that like staying local for all three of your of your sporting careers? That that has to be a pretty fulfilling experience there. Well, just lucky, and uh, <laughs> and and I think I want to laugh at this, but I think Lamar really kind of has this regional mindset that you know, for us being able to get Felix from Kansas State, yeah, Gary Spaney from Kansas State, Kevin Lockett, right, yeah, um, uh, Nick Bolton from Missouri. Yeah. Right. Think about that. You know, there's other linebacker. There's other rush defensive ends. But I think it's just part of what distinguishes the little bitty decisions that the Chiefs make that ultimately turn out to be great decisions. And I also wonder, 
I'm not saying that FAU or Nick Bolton wouldn't play harder for another another organization, but I do think there's something a little there. You're playing for the team you grew up rooting for. FAU had mentioned it. This is the team that he grew up being a fan of. Now you are playing for that team. I do think there's something to having a little more drive in that instance there. Yeah, it throws extra adrenaline to you, no question about it. And, you know, whether I attracted another 20 people or another 200, <laughs> um, I don't know. I know my family came up, and we're, we're, I was lucky to have them at every ball game. And so, you know, it's kind of a, a family thing. It's a privilege. And, you know, had I been drafted and played someplace else, I'm sure they would have flown out once in a while. But... Uh, when you're close to home, you know, the Missouri fan base is, is significant. The KU fan base yeah. is significant. And so all of that helps keep that uh, energy generating year after year. Well, as a Mizzou alum, I was very excited when they drafted Nick Bolton. First off, he's a great player, and then I also get to uh, get a root for my, mm-hmm. uh, my, my old uh, alum right there. That was pretty cool. Um, but I went and alluded to this in the first segment, and now you are here, so I want to get your thoughts on this. The Chiefs are 5-1. and one. First place in the NFL record-wise, tied for first place 5-1. and one. They are first place in the AFC with their only loss being a one-point loss to an NFC opponent. And yet it seems like fans have this unease, if you will, because the offense has yet to click. Where do you lie on this? Because for me, I would almost think it's a scarier situation for the rest of the NFL, knowing how good the defense is, where the Chiefs sit at 5-1, and one, where they sit as far as in regards to everyone else, and they've yet to run on full cylinders. This, to me, is almost more impressive than anything else. It is. You define it real well, and, you know, it would be um, saucy of me to say, hey, take a chill pill. <laughs> but, and I, but I won't do that because this is the NFL. This is the drama yeah. that we get to go through week after week and analyze and agonize over why didn't we win by 30, how come uh, Miami can beat the Broncos by 50 points and we didn't, so are we you know, 50 points poorer <laughs> than that? But um, it, it really, I think, comes down to kind of saving your powder, if that's the right term, that Andy has such great intellect and, and control over the game that I think he's showing just enough vanilla to get the game won. Trying to keep, and if you think about it, think about the last three or four games. We've come out of those games really surprisingly healthy. Yes. You know, we're yeah. watching other teams have some of their key players getting hurt. So knock on wood that we're um, going to be able to continue to do that. But I, what I learned as a young player was, you know, the, the getting through the season is arduous. It's trench work. You have to just get in there and do it week after week. But when you build up enough wins, then you eventually are in position to go into the playoffs. And you'd like to get that playoff invitation early so you can rest your players. And Andy's going to need to go clear back through the season at some point in time and look at all of his tendencies to call certain plays on certain formations on certain down and distances and then come up with a whole new set of plays that that would be reverse of what his tendencies are so they have to have time to do that so it while it's fun to say oh we got into the playoffs on the last you know um we were there when they were what eight and eight right or, or when they had to have like 17 things go their way i forget yeah. what year that was that was very exciting i will take this in a heartbeat over that. <laughs> I will, too. And think of our young players, all the experience that they're getting. That that backfield, or the defensive backfield, where we kind of started at last, the rebuilding last year. Look how well Trent McDuffie's playing and Legarius Sneed is yeah. playing. Justin Reed. I mean, we just are getting great play. And Chris Jones is putting pressure up the middle. Um, 
Karloftis, who I love uh, almost to the point of admitted to having a, a bromance for him. <laughs> he knocked, you know, he knocked uh, two passes down in the game. And when you knock a pass down, that could have gone for a first down. It sure. could have gone for 20 yards. So every time the ball's on the ground, um, and we did a fabulous job of taking advantage of uh, Russell Wilson's lack of height. Yes. And that's why he was rolling out, was he couldn't stand behind the normal pocket and see where he was throwing. So the Chiefs knew that, and they had great outside pressure. So well coached. How do you think Steve Spagnuolo's done? I've always been on the uh, on the side of I think people are asinine when they wanted him gone. I, I said, there's a reason why he's the only coordinator in NFL history to win a Super Bowl with two different teams. It's never been done before. Mm-hmm. It's Steve Spagnuolo. That's the list. I understand people's frustration of some of the times the Chiefs have given a lot of yards early in years, given up points early in years, but what does he do in big games? He figures it out. Yeah. And that's the kind of coordinator I think you want on your team, a coordinator who figures it out for the biggest games. Now this seems to be the perfect team for Spagnolo. He's got uh, weapons all along the defense. No rookies really getting major snaps, right? We, we heard of that last year, how he's like, I don't mind a rookie here and there, but I don't want them all at once. Well, now those rookies are now sophomores in their second season now. How much credit does Spags need to get here? Spags needs to get a lot of credit. And you're right. He is a fabulous teacher instructor and um, he's great at masking defenses and then holding them till when he needs them and you know if you if I when I looked at the analytics between San Francisco 49ers it's real easy for all of us today to say San Francisco has the best team sure because of their defense but the 49ers are just absolutely a hair ahead of the Chiefs in terms of statistics on how many yards they've given up, how many points they've given up. We we are right where we want to be in the top five uh, of that whole uh, discussion of who's playing the very best defense. Sure. Yeah. And the thing is, the Niners just lost to a backup quarterback. And that's why I think the NFL is such a great product. We went into that game saying no chance the Browns, with a backup quarterback, beat the best team right now in the NFL, the 49ers. 49ers have not lost by anything, or not won by anything less than seven points. They've been demolishing teams. What happened? They lose. Again, that's why I say you never apologize for winning ugly. A win's a win. You don't get yeah. extra wins, extra points for uh, for winning by uh, by winning 19-8, to which, by yeah. the way, that still was a cover. That's still a two-score game. Very impressive. But when it comes down to it, I always say you stack wins until November. Was that always the mindset back then? Because by November you kind of have, or Thanksgiving I should say, you kind of know what your team is until that time period. You're still kind of figuring out what do you have here. Right. That is the saying, and I think it still holds true. Um, When when we played uh, 16 games or so, um, and – I want to remind your your listeners, you know, the Chiefs got off to a slow start, what, a year ago, two years ago, and, you know, we got off to a three or four uh, loss start, I think, out of about seven games, yeah, and, and we had to dig out of that, which we did, fortunately, but we don't have that now, and I, thinking of San Francisco, uh, they lost they lost McCafferty, yeah. and they lost uh, Debo, Samuel. Debo Samuel, so, again, remember that they're losing two of their key offensive players, right? And not to jinx ourselves, but we we got through that without anybody really having a serious injury. So, yeah. do you credit um, Rick Burkholder with that? I have you have to you have yeah. to think that the training that they're doing, the athletic uh, conditioning, the stretching that the Chiefs are employing, 
is able to to get them to go. And I know the 49ers are a very physical team. They like to, you know, punish teams. And I think the Chiefs do too, but not to the point that you're going to lose your key players in doing that. Uh, John Lohmeyer is our guest right here, Sports Radio 810 WHB for the KC Legend Show, live here at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. Since we're here at Hollywood Casino, what is your go-to game? What's your go-to game if you're gambling? Craps, blackjack, baccarat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm probably a blackjack guy. Blackjack I, I like guy. blackjack. Yeah, that's a fun game for me, and I I actually love what's going on in the sports betting because yeah. it's opened up a whole new vista. So I you know I have to learn all this. Uh, when when I was playing, of course we couldn't we couldn't do any of this. We couldn't even talk <laughs> about it. We couldn't talk about somebody got a sprained ankle because sure. word might get back to somebody over with an LV initial. And the line would change, so yep. it's it's uh, not like that. And I, I like what's going on. Yeah. I think it brings a lot of people and excitement into the game. Well, it does. And and again, I love baseball, so I would have watched it either way. But you throw a couple dollars on it. I'm a horrible sports better. If you want to win, fade me, <laughs> fade me. I mean, I I am just absolutely brutal. But it does. It's it's fun. It's entertaining. Yeah. And it does bring something to the game. I, I do say though, when you bring in sports betting, it also brings in people who now have this um, conspiracy. The game's rigged. The refs have too much uh, sway, which I think the refs sometimes do have too much sway on a game, but I don't think there's any malice behind it. I think it's just so difficult to actually ref a game when you have 300-pound dudes who are running four sixes, you know, guys who weigh 200 pounds running four threes. Yeah, good luck trying to catch that in real speed, seeing if someone who even slowed down, you can't tell if it's a catch or not. I think it's just an almost impossible job. But, but where do you land on the people? Because I, I, I think it's just absurd that think the game is rigged. We're, we're, I always love asking former players this because this uh, it just makes me uh, makes me laugh. The part bit. that amazes me is how close they can get to the point spread and, and the over and under. And of course, yeah. I tell people if you look at a football field, it's a grid. Yeah. There's a plus, there's a positive side and a negative side, and you get the ball about sixty times on offense every game and about 15 to 18 times on special teams the rest of its defense. And if you plot out where that play started, down in distance, time of the game, where it is, and you do that over 15 games, at some point in time there's a, there's a, a trend line there in terms of how often do you score. Last week the Broncos were known for getting off to a great start. They had scored, I think, virtually every time they'd gotten the ball on the kickoff, the original kickoff. Well, they didn't score against yeah. the Chiefs, right? <laughs> so somebody that went against the trend line, right? Sure. And so th- I think we're unable, I'm unable to track all of that that I think. Uh, I'm horrible at math. At the, horrible. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it helps to be good at math, I think, to be a gambler. But, but the uh, the teams themselves are, sh- are kind of getting into a rhythm right now. Yeah. You know? When it does come to referees, there's been a lot of talk of that recently. Again, I always say it. It's hard for me to completely fault them because it is so difficult. Should they at times be better on obvious ones? Yes, I understand that. But I do think it's such a uh, – it is a hard job. But one thing I feel like that needs to get switched, and you should be on our side here as a former defensive lineman, roughing the passer. Bill Moss had some pretty strong thoughts on this one. Uh, I don't know yours here because you saw it last night against uh, Buffalo. Josh Allen touched. I mean – Touched. It wasn't. There's no malice behind it. Um, touched. Mm-hmm. Fifteen yard penalty. 
it just seems like what can a defensive player do? There's no chance they can slow up. He didn't finish the tackle. He he did everything he was taught to do by what the NFL is trying to uh, tell these new guys to, to, to play like. Still can't do anything. Still gets flagged. Where do you land on this? What what needs to change, if any? Well, I don't know that they're obviously trying to protect the quarterbacks, which are the, the most important, probably, element of the game of football in terms of skill. And they've taken away the cornerback's uh, ability to bump and run. When I played, you could virtually mug somebody all the way down the field. Now it's five yards. Yeah. But if you go five yards and then hit them again at the 10-yard mark, they generally throw a flag on that. So mm-hmm. they what they want to do is, I think, allow uh, movement of the ball. They want to en- enhance scoring. They want to protect players that are unprotected. And the game puts us in those positions from time to time, whether you're trying to catch a ball over the middle sure. and the safety's coming from the opposite direction. Now they can't uh, go helmet to helmet, which I think is smart. They can't, uh, you know, we don't want them to hit Patrick when he's up, but we yeah. also don't want them to roll into his legs and his ankles. Right. Yeah. And it's a dangerous game when you're you don't really get an appreciation for it watching on television. When you're down on the field and you're close to you've done it, the the speed and the velocity of those hits um, almost kind of takes your breath away. It's so unlike TV. You do not get a good appreciation until you are down there. You see it firsthand and you're like, wow, these not only these just massive human beings. How do they move this fast at that size? Yeah, and once you leave your feet, you know, once you launch, so to speak, you, you know, you can't really change anything. Your trajectory's predicted. It's kind of what you hit them with your arms, your shoulders, or your hand, or your or whatever it is. So, yeah, um, I think they're doing a, a great job. And I think as fans, we have to allow the people that put this great um, – event on for us the flexibility to continue to let it change over time to protect the players you know because if you were a player and you could avoid having a serious injury your second year and play another six years if you wanted to that would be a good thing you know you were it's a sports entertainment business is what it is and they need to protect the athletes john lohmeyer is our guest right here sports radio 810 whb live here at hollywood casino we will take a quick break we're going to come back we're going to take a look at Monday Night Football as well as a look ahead at Monday Night Football, a team that's playing. The Chiefs will play next week in the Chargers. Keep it right here. Hollywood Casino, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome back to the KC Legend Show, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Again here live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. John Lohmeyer again is still with us. Let's take a look at tonight's Monday Night Football game. we got two teams. I always laugh and say they're basically the same team. They're the same team. One's the AFC, one's the NFC. They're always highly touted in the offseason. They're always picked to to surprise a lot of people. And a lot of times, they make the playoffs. They do. And what do they do? They disappoint year after year. It's the Chargers. It's the Cowboys. What are you looking at tonight? I, I think it's a really pick em game. I think either team can get... If they can get their running game started, I want to yeah. think that if the, whoever can run the ball takes pressure off the quarterback allows the quarterback a little bit of extra time i think i think cd lamb has obviously got to get off to a fast start for dallas to go um but i do think you're right they've got strong defenses 
Their offense is good. Um, Eckersley, I love, is a running back, and I think he's somewhat rested. Yeah, he should be and, good to go tonight. And, and yes. he's he's rested, straight, good legs. I think they'd probably try to throw him the ball and let him run. Yeah. And maybe whoever gets over 100 yards running will put their team in a position to to maybe close it out with some passing. Yeah, when I look at it, Keenan Allen's been a X-Factor this year for L.A. Obviously, Mike Williams went down, should be out for the season. Now you have Keenan Allen, who's averaging nearly 110 yards per game. CeeDee Lamb has been good, yet a little unspectacular. But the X-Factor for me is Justin Herbert. It's going to be Justin Herbert. Dak Prescott, I think, to an extent, is who he is. He's a fine quarterback. We, we had this argument for 10 years on national media, right? It was always, is he elite? Is he top five? Is he this, that? I think we've all understood now he and De- or he and Kirk Cousins shake hands. They're very similar quarterbacks. Anywhere from 8 to 12, you put them in, you're not going to get a whole bunch of argument. But Justin Herbert is one of these guys who is a top five talent, right? But he's yet to really prove it to, to an extent, right? Over an extended period, you, you see games where you go, no one else is making that throw. Him, Mahomes, and Josh Allen. Those three guys are in the, in the entire NFL. Those three can make that throw. But then you look at it, and they're 2-2. Two and two. They're, again, as I mentioned, underperforming. Where do you land on a guy who is so talented, yet seems like he never gets over the hump? I, I look at the matchup between the quarterback and the defensive coordinator. Because these wily defensive coordinators have really seen everything um, in their careers. Now, exception to that might be a Pat Mahomes that can switch the ball to his left hand and throw it <laughs> in Denver as he's running down the yep. sideline. But remember, after that year and the second year, they really kind of stymied Pat. They started throwing different things at him, a deep a deep cover two zone, uh, letting him throw in, in, uh, in front. But our guys kept running deep into the zone, so he couldn't get any passes off and I think I'm using that as an illustration I think um, Herbert is going through some of that himself I think the defensive coordinators generally talk and I think they're kind of bringing a new bag of tricks if you will every week and and that maybe just shuts him off of five to seven passes but those five to seven passes are the ones that he needs to complete Mm -hmm. in order to control the ball in order to get first downs in order to get down in scoring position so I I think he's in some ways, not seen at all, and they're they're throwing the kitchen sink at him. An interesting tidbit tonight: Kellen Moore, the OC for the Chargers, used to be down there in Dallas. How how big of a deal is that? Is it a little overblown the familiarity there, or is there actually something to? Hey, he was there for a while. He knows the plays. He knows a little something about the Cowboys. What do you make of this? Well, I think you've, you're on to something. Yeah. No surprise. <laughs> um, I, I do think that uh, it's always been known that teams would try to get a former player from the team they're going to play to yeah. at least have them for a week and uh, try to get them to unload their head on the playbook. But um, I, I, I think right now what I'm seeing is I think they're kind of um, going uh, – in a gentle way towards helping Zach get his confidence back. When I look at the Cowboys, it's like, where did their swag go? Yeah. You know, where, what happened last week? And now it's we don't hear Jerry saying, boy, our guys better come out and, <laughs> and beat these Chargers. You know, he's kind of quietly just had a quiet week yes. and not putting any self-pressure on the team, the coaches, and the players. So, I think uh, th- I'm watch. I'm going to watch for that. I'm just going to see how well. But I think if they can, either one of the team can get a good running game going. It does take the pressure off the quarterback. All right. And the Chargers obviously playing tonight. They will play Kansas City next week. 
What do the Chiefs need to do against the Chargers? Their wide receivers have been stymied a little bit, not on the same page as Kansas City. How do they get right? Well, first of all, Kansas City should, again, think about how lucky we are that the Chargers <laughs> are playing tonight because we get to watch them tonight. Yes. And they're going to have one or two less days of preparation. Many by. Our guys are going to be rested. They're going to come back Tuesday. So our guys are going to come back uh, feeling good, having some bounce in their steps, and the Chargers are going to be concerned that their legs aren't going to be ready for them come come Sunday. So that's a blessing. Um, I think the Chiefs are going to have some new things come out. I, if I were to make a prediction, I think Andy's probably been holding some new packages for the Chargers, and we'll see some things that he hasn't had to use up to this point in the season. John Lohmeyer, former Chiefs Eves alignment, special teams captain, yeah. right? Three years, and now Chiefs Ambassadors President. John, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Enjoyed it. This was the KC Legend Show right here, Sports Radio 810 WHB, live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. Until next Monday, we are out.